0: It's easy for me to say, you should begin with a customer in mind, right? Who are you going to uh, you know, sell your product or service to? But when it comes down to it, actually understanding who that person is, how many of them exist, how willing they are to buy, how much money they're willing to pay. like Of course, that's the foundation of a business model, but that means you have to talk to people and might learn that you got something wrong, or might learn that you're actually onto something really cool, or maybe Their idea of what they want is different than yours. So again, it's not only interfacing with customers, but being willing to be wrong and figure out a way to solve that.
1: Welcome back to Venturing Out series on serial entrepreneurship. My name is Dylan Fontaine, and I'm joined by Grace Smith. And today we are back with Gib Reynolds. If you haven't already, go listen to Gibbs first episode where he discusses his experience as a serial entrepreneur. Last episode we talked about Gibbs experience as the serial entrepreneur and we have student entrepreneurs listening now who are probably asking well what skills should I possess in order to begin positioning myself to endeavor the challenges of entrepreneurship. Today we will discuss more about serial entrepreneurship and what it actually means and in addition to what skills are apparent and successful serial entrepreneurs, we will dive into how you can work towards developing those skills. Thanks for being back, Gabe. We really appreciate you being here. Let's start by just talking about what does serial entrepreneurship mean to you?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how I would succinctly define it, but to me it is this continual pursuit of starting new things because either you see opportunities or it's born out of necessity. Um, But it's like not starting one thing and being content with that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it can look like the formation of a bunch of companies or it could look like taking one idea and spinning out new ideas out of it. Um, In my case, it's been going from business to business to business, standing something up, starting it, and then moving on to start something new when I feel like it has a firm
1: foundation underneath it. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, and what we had talked about last time was the difference between a traditional entrepreneur and serial entrepreneurship, which you had identified as um, traditional being somebody who stays in the day-to-day role and operation. But what you've done is you've worked the operational roles and you've worked the day-to-day, but you've still found ways to exit and pursue different passions and and other types of opportunities that came your way. Understanding that for you, what what is the difference between that traditional entrepreneur and serial entrepreneur maybe outside of what we had just discussed? Yeah, I think that's
0: a really good, uh, kind of good way to direct this and point it. So like when I think of a traditional entrepreneur, um, there's a couple guys in town that come to mind that I know have started one, one business in one location and have continued to grow that to more and more locations, right? They're actively growing their businesses, but it's also kind of within the confines of one idea. Um, and, you know, maybe they add other concepts to it, but it's very much focused, right, in an industry, whether it's, like, food or coffee shops, right, you go and open a bunch of them or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the kind of the big difference between that traditional entrepreneur actively growing a business and doing new things is a serial entrepreneur might be looking at opportunities in any, indus- any industry, like, any opportunity, whether they have background or not, right, it's the ability to recognize patterns, to bring people around them to help them kind of complement weaknesses, And then just try new stuff. And so I think on the last episode, I kind of talked about how, you know, from my time as a student entrepreneur to a full-time entrepreneur, I did something in the energy drink and kind of resale and distribution. And then I did an internet business. And then I did um, this lettuce farm. One of the things, though, that I also see when I look at that is I learned a lot about distribution through my first business that was applicable at Urban Produce. And I learned a lot about how to market to people in an efficient manner, even though I didn't love it, that also allowed me to go and find customers in some other businesses. Like when we had a food truck at the silos, posting on social media was really important and understanding search engine marketing. So while the industries might be different, I'm taking lessons learned from each of them and growing forward. And that to me is one of the big differentiators between like a traditional entrepreneur who might grow and build a much larger company, as opposed to someone who is starting new things constantly, applying those lessons, Getting things stood up, um, and then hopefully moving on and doing something different. And of course, it'd be nice to like keep ownership, you know, of, of some former capacity in those previous ventures. But it's really about what's the next thing that I can do that might be totally unrelated. But man, there's a cool opportunity to do something meaningful there.
1: Right, and that's that's incredible, Gabe. What I liked from what you said was how you had taken different components from different businesses and, and different lessons and applied them to your next venture. And I think before we continue moving on, it's important to recognize, too, that traditional entrepreneurship and serial entrepreneurship, neither one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. Like you had mentioned, a traditional entrepreneur can start up a singular business and grow it much larger than what a serial entrepreneur may be able to do with one or two or three. Success is different for everybody, and it may look different in different ways in how we measure it. But... What is difficult about serial entrepreneurship is truthfully like going from one venture to the next, especially as you had indicated, maybe in a different industry. So, from your perspective, does it take a certain breed of person to be a serial entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I do want to start and address.
0: I think what you just said about there not being one right or wrong path is also an important thing that I just want to highlight as an entrepreneur. I can almost argue that a traditional entrepreneur that continues to grow one business might actually make more of an impact Mm -hmm. in terms of job creation, sustainability, you know, maybe continual impact in a community. So I think that is an incredible path. And by the way, a really difficult one. I think the thing that separates um, the kind of person that can do the serial entrepreneurship is like failure is an inherent part of starting anything new, whether it's a business, a hobby, an activity, etc. But starting a company You're going to have all kinds of moments where you made a wrong assumption and you've got to kind of change what you're doing and start over, right, in some capacity. Hopefully not catastrophic failure where you got to start over, but you're going to make a bunch of wrong assumptions and have to kind of rebound from that. Being a serial entrepreneur means like once you've done that once, great, I'm just going to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Like it would be a lot of fun to make those mistakes, figure out how to make my business model work, and then just replicate that somewhere. Of course, there's still going to be lessons learned, but you're not going to show up Day one, all over again, yeah. right, and make all of the same mistakes. So yeah, I think, I think it takes someone um, maybe wired slightly different, where that's part of the appeal of doing this. It's not just creating something new, working for yourself, doing good in a community or with employees, you know, potentially making a lot of money. It's also like the desire to go through the hardest part of a business over and over and over. Um, I don't know why I'm wired that way. But that's something I enjoy. I've learned I really like to start stuff. And learning how to grow a business is something I need to get better at. But I've been fortunate enough to walk away from every opportunity I've started at some point when I felt like the foundation or the opportunity was solid enough that it could run without me and I could go pursue something different. Um, And maybe I'll come across a business that I say, I'm tired of being a serial entrepreneur. I love this enough to do that. But that hasn't been my story. And I think that while entrepreneurship is a unique personality trait, a unique role for someone to do, I think this kind of serial multiple-time starter is even more unique. And I'm thankful for it. But I also recognize that uh, I, I haven't gotten to like build something and grow it on my own. But that's okay. Because, again, maybe I'll find something that I want to do that for. All
1: right. And you mentioned this like reiterative process of starting something up and, and enduring those challenges that you see... Every single time. Obviously, you've gotten better at overcoming those challenges. But to be a serial entrepreneur, you have to possess an intensive drive to persevere through those. What fuels you to wake up every day and continue working on your businesses?
0: Yeah, I I'm really convinced that entrepreneurship is a calling. And I you know, I'm a I'm a person of faith and I believe that I was put on this planet to start companies, to employ people, and to create things. And I think it's a really cool expression of um of what i believe like my creative and awesome god to be Uh, and so for me like part of it is if i'm not doing that i'm not fulfilling my purpose and i don't want to wake up one day and realize i have missed a cool opportunity um to make impact at the same time I, i joked about this on the last podcast like i'm not cut out to have a normal job and so one of the things that also contributes to this like daily grind is I can't stand not doing this. And I i mean, like, I don't know if that's healthy. I'm not saying that as if it's a great thing, but I'm aware of it in myself, and I'm crafting a life that might arguably be more difficult, but to me, it's more rewarding and more fulfilling. Um, and so yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't want to look back at the end of my life and say, I didn't pursue everything I could have with full focus, full force, and full intent. Um, and I'm so thankful I learned that at an early age, because it saved me um, potentially decades of my life figuring that out. The average, age, the average age of a founder in the US is 42, and I started my first company when I was 19. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I
1: learned that quickly. Hey, thank you for listening to the Venturing Out podcast. Have you ever been interested in starting a podcast or working on a team with podcasters? As you know, everybody on our team is a student and two of us will be graduating this semester and we are looking to bring on team members to help continue venturing out. We believe in getting the right people on the bus and then finding their seat. And if you're interested in joining our team and want a spot on our bus, let us know by reaching out to us on social media at Baylor Venturing Out. We would love to connect with you and see if we'd be a good fit. And that's kind of a great transition into what our next conversation was going to be is the average age of a founder being forty two. Again, you can you can start your venture, you can start your business, your company, whatever age. And the age isn't indicative, but for Somebody, or for the average to be 42, you've got to accumulate some type of skill set or drive or passion. And from your perspective, what are some of those common characteristics of the successful founders that you've worked with?
0: I think there's this really unique blend of resiliency, but also humility. Um, Understanding that you are going to fail and finding the internal drive or motivation to get back up each time is really difficult and I think that there's all kinds of cool ways to learn some of those lessons right sports are a great motivator because you don't always succeed Um, and so I think you know I think that there are ways you can develop that Um, but the other part of it is humility right no one is great at everything and being an entrepreneur you have to be a jack of all trades right? you have to clean bathrooms and do bookkeeping, and design or build your product or service, and meet with people. And like, I'm not a great salesperson. And when you're the founder of a business, you're the first salesperson. And so having the humility to say, I'm actually not good at this, and I need to empower someone else to do that, to me is a huge um, marker of the ability for a business to grow, for a founder to be comfortable with what it takes to do that, Um, and also for... Uh, the chance to let other people develop those same skills and hopefully successfully you know, contribute to an organization or go start their own. Like, How cool would it be for an employee to see that humility and that resilience in their boss or a co-founder and say, well, I believe I can do that because I've been through this as well. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe um, awareness is another part of that, too. But, yeah, I, I think there's certainly um, a need for perseverance probably more than anything.
1: I mean, it's grit, which we had talked about kind of in the first episode or at least in the intro. Grit's being able to do something ordinary over and over and over until you become what perceived as talented. I mean, it's mm. just like the just like the saying, yeah, I'm a overnight success 20 years in the making. Yes. And that's one of the core understandings of entrepreneurship is doing you know, monotonous or basic or ordinary tasks over and over and over, until you whatever your definition of success is are successful, um, or happy, you know. That, I think I think you bring up a really good
0: point, yeah. and I, you know I don't I don't want to interrupt you, but I um, man, we celebrate overnight success as if it's actually overnight. Like I I would argue that we have made entrepreneurs, like almost like rock stars. They're on magazine covers. I mean, I follow some of them on Twitter. Like I'm just as guilty of it because it's so cool to see. What you don't hear about is the 15 months of like living on someone's couch, struggling where everyone's telling you you're crazy. Your idea is not going to work. Investors kind of laughing at of their office. Customers leaving you like all of that hard stuff. We don't talk about because it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I, I'm, I'm with you like grit is a great term for it and I really hope I mean like I'm thankful I get to do this podcast and share some of my mistakes and frustrations I'm thankful I get to do that in the classroom but man like we have to be more honest about this no one is an overnight success mm-hmm. and like let's celebrate that too there are people that do amazing things that make a lot of small mistakes along the way and keep trying that sounds awesome
1: and, and those mistakes are, as we've been talking about, are important. Um, at least for me, I like, have learned so much more from the mistakes that I've made than I've ever learned from being successful at something. I mean, I can think of it in a test that I took recently. I didn't do great on that test. But do you know, after debriefing it with my professor, I know those facts. I know what I missed more now than what I did before. And so understanding that we learn lessons along the way, at least as a serial entrepreneur, maybe even at an accelerated rate or seeing the same mistakes over and over, challenges over and over, what have been some of your most profound lessons that you've learned being a serial entrepreneur?
0: I think some of the things that I've learned are so obvious in hindsight, but in the moment it's so easy to like not recognize how impactful small decisions are so uh, like it's easy for me to say you should begin with a customer in mind right who are you going to uh, you know sell your product or service to but when it comes down to it actually understanding who that person is how many of them exist how willing they are to buy how much money they're willing to pay like of course that's the foundation of a business model but that means you have to talk to people and might learn that you got something wrong or might learn that you're actually onto something really cool or maybe their idea of what they want is different than yours. So again, it's not only interfacing with customers but being willing to be wrong and figure out a way to solve that. So I mean, of course, like, you know, cash is king, right? Businesses rely on cash flow to survive. So I can build a really cool income statement pro forma that doesn't mean anything in the real world, Um but they're both important. You need to know where you want to go as a business, but you also need to keep an eye on the pulse. Um, so like, you know, that, that's one that like, I've learned through getting that wrong over and over. Um, uh, another one, and I think you know, it's easy for me to talk about, oh, it's so great when you can build a company and delegate stuff to other people. Just because you delegate something doesn't mean you're still not in charge. Like it's great to hire an accountant and not have to do your own books anymore, but if you don't know what's going on inside your own company from a financial perspective, like that's just a path of chaos, right? So it's simultaneously delegating and giving things away while also staying engaged and on top of them because ultimately, um, success or failure is on your shoulders. I also think a lesson that I've learned, I, I don't think employees understand how hard it is to be a business owner. And for me, that's really expressed itself in trying to be um, open, but not unnecessarily transparent with people that work for me, and also to give them grace because uh, when you're the owner, I think there's this perception of potential lifestyle or stuff like that. And you know, as I've started companies and I go from being less in the day to day operation and more of a strategic role, I think it's easy an employee to assume like they're not as involved, correct? Because you're not there with them, working next to them, um, and like, it's not my job to explain. No, my job has changed because I'm trying to grow this company, but at the same time, you know, trying to be understanding and support them and hopefully educate them and do that kind of stuff. Like, there's this careful blend of being open and transparent, but also um, being respectful, right, and letting someone have questions, you know, and answer them honestly. Uh, I find it to be really motivating, and that's something, like, again, that doesn't sound profound when I say it, but having lived through it and gotten it wrong, I respect it a lot more. Like, man, employees are just like cash—kind of the lifeblood of a company. If they're unhappy and doing well, like things aren't necessarily going well. So
1: yeah, well, I mean, it's often said like human capital is your biggest asset. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the people that you that you work with, the team that you surround yourself with. Um, that's something that I'm sure. You figured out, and I definitely figured out how important it is to surround yourself with good people. Yeah, yesterday a student
0: that I'm working with asked me about an employee who is still apparently at Urban Produce that I hired, and you know her her question was like, "Do you know so and so?" And it's like, "Yeah," and I'm pretty excited to hear they're still there. Like, they weren't there because of me; they were there because they loved the business. Man, that, like that—the knowledge that that person now has after probably 6 years of doing something like that's more valuable than someone who can work a little bit longer hours or
1: something like yeah. that yeah human capital is everything right and so as we kind of transition into the the end of our podcast you've obviously have been a young entrepreneur i mean you started multiple businesses in college you're still young and there there, <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of <laughs> listeners too who are also young entrepreneurs. and it's tough getting started. I mean, doing it so many times, you understand. So can you maybe give them some advice or perspective on what if they're looking to start their own business, what steps should they take? Yeah,
0: step one, just try. I don't mean to make it sound easy or like it's not. Uh, A whole lot more work than that but you will learn so much more by actually doing something Um, like you don't need ten thousand dollars in the best idea to go learn some of the lessons I'm talking about take five hundred bucks a thousand dollars if you can spare that or raise it from your friends and family don't ask for anything for Christmas your birthday and ask for investment in an idea you have you will grow so much as a person by trying Um, to make that more actionable I would say, like, find someone who has done this before you and have them, you know, maybe mentor, encourage, help you brainstorm, and just do it because they want to see someone else succeed. I I know that your your last guest on this podcast was a student that I get to work with now, Ellie, and the hour that we get to spend together each week is some of the most fun time that I have because I have no stake in her business, and she asks me questions, and I get to try to brainstorm and support and encourage her. But also, let her make her own decisions. Um, find someone like that. And I'm not saying that I'm great at it, but it's so much fun for me because I get to see her try and succeed and make mistakes and learn lessons and pivot and grow. And, like, that girl's going to be successful whether I'm there or not. But hopefully I can help her avoid, you know, five months of, mm-hmm. of silly mistakes or a $1,000 loss because she tried something and didn't really ask someone about it. So Yeah, I mean, go do something. If you can't afford to do that, then uh, find friends who are doing it and say, "I'll help you for free." Like I think the experience you get from being a part of the initial days of starting something is is really cool. Um, yeah, and maybe I mean like I think mentor is kind of an overused word. It's really hard to pinpoint what exactly a mentor is, but find someone who is successful by whatever definition you want, and just use them as a sounding board. Allow them, if they're so willing, to invest in you and encourage you, and I hope um, that happened for me, and I'm really excited about the opportunities that have come out of that personally, and I'm excited that I get to do that for, for other people, especially students. Yeah, like just try.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for sharing your advice with us. We have just about run out of time again, and we hope that you have a better idea of what serial entrepreneurship means and how to position yourself for success. We will have one more episode in our three-part series on serial entrepreneurship, and if you missed the first, you can check out the Venturing Out podcast on all of the major listening platforms. To stay up to date with Venturing Out, find us on Instagram at BaylorVenturingOut also we are still looking for sponsors for our next series and if you would like to be a sponsor of Venturing Out reach out to us through our social media. Sponsors help us stay online and provide us the opportunity to connect you to all of our unique speakers. Again thank you Gib, for sharing and we will see you next episode.